Hey there, welcome to the Club Club Podcast. My name is James, and this week we are talking about the album Dogman by the band. King's X, Dogman. With me this week to talk about it, as usual, is Zachary here and Tyler with me. Howdy. Patrick over there in Boston. Hello. And Hannah. What's up? Uh, I started to ask you all this earlier, or say this earlier. I was trying to find... I was going through the eShop on my Switch right now trying to find a game to play. It's just so hard to choose anything, you know? You just feel like playing a video game, but... I can't find one that I'd like want to spend money on. The paralysis of choice. Yeah. The witness. Yeah. We said it wasn't on Switch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Double check because it, it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't checked. There's a Catan game on there, but it's probably garbage. Oh, yeah. I uh, finally I got Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, man, you should. I, I haven't played it, but I heard it's good. My sister just got it. It's a. Uh, wait. Kind of a point-and-click style, right? I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, I speaking of that, good. Grim Fandango is on the Switch eShop. I should just buy that and play that you should. finally. It's, you've never played that? It's, that's a treat, man. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a classic. Yeah. Okay, so back to our album, which I picked. The album came out in 1994. It's by the band King's X, which is one of my favorite bands ever. I mean, I don't know where they would rank now, but... Back in the day, I think like the, my first real band that I like fell in love with was Pantera, and then King's X was the mm-hmm. one after that. Where it was just like listen to all their stuff. And was this like high school, James? Yeah, junior, senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. I actually discovered them from this VH1 show that came on back then. It was like a big deal at the time, I guess. Uh, it was like their top 100 bands of all time, and it was like mm-hmm. one of those countdown shows. And they popped up, and I was just like. I don't know something about the little clip, the music that the music that they put in the clip just drew me in. I was like, okay, I gotta check this band out, find find out about them because like the songs they put in the in the little package were just they just sounded really cool. Like the Dogman riff was in there, super heavy, and then there were there was yeah, it was cool. I was like, so I, I sought, sought them out, and I ended up getting this CD, Best of Kings X, and. I listened to it. I remember thinking like, oh, it's okay. But it like really wasn't what I was expecting because I remember in that package, like there was some heavier stuff on there. And then when I got this best of Kings X thing, it was like all this, like l- these lighter songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, curiously, the reason for that is it was the track list was chosen by their fans, which is probably a topic that we'll talk about more than we should. But like, <laughs> okay. when it comes to Kings X, like it's a big, it's kind of a thing for me. Like, I don't know. Anyway, to stay on track a little bit, 
So next thing I went into was I found uh, I bought Gretchen Goes Nebraska, which is widely considered by their fans, I guess, like their best album. And I liked it. And I, the thing about it, it took me a long time to like really come around to it. My music library wasn't huge back then. So I'd like listen to what I had multiple times, even if I wasn't like super in love with it. And every time I listened to it, I mean, I'd like just discover things about the songs that I'd like. And then there'd be parts of the songs that I'd be like, man, that is like my favorite band at the time was Pantera. So I was just like, liked heavy music, you know, and that grooved. And there would, there would be parts and sections of their songs where it was like really heavy, you know, even though overall the sound isn't really that aggressive. Didn't you mention, I guess in an earlier conversation that Pantera is inspired by this band? Yeah. Dimebag would often cite King's X. It's like one of his favorite bands, King's yeah. X Chug. And, uh, I will, I, I, this band does seem like a musician's band. And that, that's way. the like, thing about them. Yeah. So anyway, I end up finding Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. Then I, I get Faith, Hope, Love. You know, these are like their, from their first four records. And it took me a while to finally, finally listen to Dogman. And then somehow I got a hold of it. I think a friend downloaded it for me. I was in my freshman year of college or something. And I remember listening to it and just falling in love immediately. Like, this is what I was chasing from that VH1, uh, package that ro- rolled in the top 100 bands of all time and like i remember hearing all the songs that were like clipped for that thing were like in in this album all the things that i was like the clips that i really loved but i couldn't find them in their discography they were from this album yeah. and uh dog so man for you this one ranks very highly in there yeah catalog. so if on rate your music what about like with their fans in general is this like considered it's a point of contention for me so on rate your music um <laughs> They're ranked tied. It's tied. This is tied with Gretchen Goes Nebraska as like their top two albums. But it's kind of a polarizing thing because Ty Tabor, you said they're a music- musician's band. He's like one of those dudes who has a tone that's super, super sought after by nerds, uh-huh. guitar nerds. He's that's the guitarist, right? Yeah, yeah. The tone from their first four records is what most of them are after. This record, he moved away from it. Doesn't sound like it. Still a killer guitar tone. Like, in my yeah. opinion, the, the guitar tones on this album just. If you compare the first four records, I would say like it sounds like a razor or something like really sharp. And on this record, it sounds yeah. like something like a sledgehammer. You know, it's, it's bludgeoning rather than. Uh, sure. Yeah, I, I see that. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, so, I, I will say, I don't think they're. I, I spent some time listening to some of their older stuff before yeah. this. I don't think it's so different that it's like, oh my gosh, this is, they totally oh, no, no. reinvented I don't think, themselves. I don't think like, that at all either. Yeah, I think like... To me, it kind of just sounds like it changed with the times and it sounds yeah, like very natural right. to me. Like the older stuff I listened to, I was like, okay, yeah, this kind of sounds more like 80s. And then it's just like I, this album was early 90s. And right, it just, right. Like it all sounded like appropriate to the... Just like the Grateful Dead, they changed with the times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very much well, like that. Just like Pantera, like it started out kind of glam and then it went heavy. Sure. So in my opinion, this is like a more natural King's X sound because, so, okay, I'm a freshman, I mean, a senior, junior, senior, freshman in college, whatever. And I went to my first show and it like made me fall in love with the rest of their catalog even more. Cause like this band is super, super heavy live. And it like influenced how I, how I listened to those records. A lot of those eighties records, you know, there's no low end. It's just a different yeah. production style from what we were used to listening to growing up. Right. So it just made me appreciate it more, but that Dogman record, I mean, it just, it's like the True Widow thing. It's like uh, everything I look for in the guitar playing and stuff. Like, I'm sure now that you guys have listened to this, you've listened to Thou, 
We're probably a couple bands away, but you've gotten a pretty good picture of where I rip off all my stuff on guitar from. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wrote James guitar under like a lot of tracks on this album. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just uh, be my note, James guitar. Black the Sky, I, thought, I Don't de- I don't Care, Dogman. Yeah, Black the Sky, I Black the Sky, especially. I, I wrote like, that yeah, under this is just like James Guitar. With the goon sound that James was yeah. going for. So he, so yeah, I thought you were cool, but you're just ripping everybody off. So, this. like, in the old days, this band would, like, write a lot of prog rock type stuff. You know, not totally out there, which is why I like them. I, I cannot get into a lot of the super, super out there bands in prog, but um, mm-hmm. they would definitely fit in in, like, the socks with sandals, you know. Rock bands. Um, it's comfy. Let's not let's not make fun of comfort. Okay. Right, but for all that stuff they would do, and, and on their older albums, I also would kind of feel like they they felt a little more rigid. You know, I don't know if that's a way to describe it. Uh, like they didn't feel like as loose, but the, the band still swings and grooves. Like they always have like a groove to them, and most of that credit I think is to their, their drummer. So, so the members of the band is Doug Pinnock, that's the singer and bassist. Ty Tabor also sings and plays guitar. And Jerry Gaskell, he sings and plays the drums. And one they all of them, sing? Yeah, yeah. So that, they, they do vocal harmonies that are heavily reminiscent of like the Beatles and stuff. So they, yeah. they oftentimes get compared as like if the Beatles played rock music, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a lot the of. Beatles did play rock music though. <laughs> or heavy metal. How about that? Or like heavy music. Sure. But uh, they put out Helter Skelter. So there's the metal. There's a lot of like things like if you go look up this band, you're guaranteed to see in the comments section. It's like most underrated band of all time you know uh (laughs) like just like the beatles or whatever and things like that um and as a fan i think i think that's kind of part of what kind of if there's anything that soured me on the band over time it's mostly like just some of the disappointment around the fans of the band or something and it's hard to explain maybe you don't like that the you don't like that the fans think they're underrated maybe this is a separate uh episode to talk about but I think I think it's like Tool fans, you know, they they tap they, they pat themselves on the back for liking the band, and it's like everyone's like King's X should have been the biggest band in the world. And I'm like, I don't I don't know <laughs> I don't I don't really think that you know, but but I think for like a bunch of like so why forty year old bedroom guitar player dads who listen to dad rock and stuff, sure they think that, but like when you listen to a bunch of other music, you're like, well, I mean, it kind of this is where yeah, it so would reside. I heard <laughs> you, know? you make that point before, James, but I didn't know like so why, in your opinion, why? do their fans pat themselves on the back because they think that they're underrated or because they think that... Well, when Gretchen Goes Nebraska came out, that was their mm-hmm. second album, it was, like, critically praised. Like, it would have been a buzz band in our time, you know? All the mm-hmm. magazines praised it, critics loved it and everything, but for some reason, it just didn't sell. And, I mean, I could have a few guesses about why it didn't sell. Like, the album art is not that great. The, yeah, the album art seemed the, pretty uh, bad, but it just kind of... The songs are like themed in their style. A little tougher to get into. They're amazing. Like I love that record, but um, you can see why it's like not. There's not that mass appeal or whatever. And the band is kind of nerdy. Like they are slightly nerdy. One of the things yeah, I wrote that there was a goofiness or nerdiness that sort yeah. of pervades their vibe, which I think plays a role in why they didn't achieve a larger degree of commercial success. Right. Probably. I mean, that I'm just yeah. Because I mean, their sound, band. like you know, me coming into it, not really knowing much about them or even what they sounded like. I mean, to me, their sound was like it's not hard to like at all. Like mm-hmm. you this know is why I, mean? I like, thought this would be an interesting episode because I feel like you guys we listen to a lot of music on this podcast. You guys listen mm-hmm. to a lot of music. Yeah, I, I think Kings X fans are like in this echo chamber of people who listen to it and love it and everything. It's like here's what like an average person or like an average music lover would think of this album, right? Or this band 
from an objective mm-hmm. point of view. Right. Like I don't so, have any like really preconceived notions right. about it. It's not precious to you. Other than just, like no, I mean, other than just knowing that you like it, but like. So there are things like even Dogman, for example, like this came out in 1994 and there's moments on this album that are like amazing. And there's moments that are like, why did they do that? It's so goofy. <laughs> so like in Black the Sky, when they do that super huge riff at the end. do the thing it's like takes away yeah. from the whole moment it's like yeah. why did you do that and then yeah. you compare Dog. that compare that to I albums compare that to I love that Zach moment that I love that moment it's just it's I honestly it's so, don't hate it but it's so cheesy it that is, it's cheesy yeah like it's it cheesy, they, cheesy though but it, it doesn't they, bother me but they commit to it and I respect that yeah <laughs> like so, I'm just yeah. I'm just imagining like like uh the really bad Mortal Kombat movie like hearing that song and the yeah and the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is super goofy. So, but so you compare it to like, I don't mind it. Compared to stuff that was coming out the same year, it's 1994. You had uh, Soundgarden put out Super Unknown. Portishead put out uh, their big record. Uh, Built a Spill put out There's Nothing Wrong with Love. Bush put out 16 Stone. Cod- Jeff Buckley, Grace. Yep. Cody, oh, yeah. Coding put out The White Birch. Down put out Nola. Corrosion of Conformity put out De- Deliverance. Like, it's an amazing year for music. And when you compare, like, the goofiness of this album to some what those bands are doing, you could see why, like, with cool kids, it didn't really t- t- catch on, you know? And something to think about is, like, when that album came out, their singer, Doug, the bassist was 40. You know what I mean? Wow. Jeez. He's 70-something now, you know? And they're still doing it, you know? Yeah. So, that's one of my things about the band is, like, I wish in the 80s they would have leaned into being like an indie band like be mm-hmm. weird be the next di- be like dinosaur jr or sonic youth or the pixies or whatever go that route but instead the band was constantly pushed they signed to atlantic they were pushed as like the next big band and they constantly had this like uh level to try to live up to that they were projected to be and and they never were that because it's not who they are as, as people you know i feel like this people talk yeah, like about how it like, ended up hurting them it's like the 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 the, pu- the public's fault for the band not being that big. And I think, well, I think it's more like the way they presented the band and the, the way they were managed is mm-hmm. mostly why things ended up the way they were and why they they never really caught on that much. But that being said, like, I... Oh, it's the, uh, it's the deer in the headlights effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and he talks about, they talk about that stuff on this album. Like, I, I don't know if y'all read that supplementary info, but I thought, like, it would be interesting to get you guys' opinion of, of the album before you read any of that stuff I sent, and then after, if it changed anything about how you mm-hmm. perceive the album. So, so what did y'all think of the record in general? And, and maybe we'll start with Patrick. I kind of stand by my original five-second assessment that now I know who Creed was ripping off. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like they have that same sort of vibe to me, but it, less, I don't know. Like, I, I, I like Creed, but they are like kind of cringy. Um, but you just embrace it with Creed. I think this band is slightly less cringy, but they still have a little bit of that cringe factor in there somewhere. But the album, I think, is a good, a really good album. I enjoyed it a lot. It grew on me as well as I continued to listen to it. Another just random thought like about the album, my first impression of it, it. The second I put it on, my first impression was, wow, there's like no bass on this album. Like It sounds really bright. And I think that's partially an artifact of the time. And partially it's just like, as I continue to listen to it, that my ears get used to it and I don't think that anymore. And also if you just turn it up in volume a little bit, then you hear the bass a little bit better. So I think some of that production is a little bit 
sounds a little bit dated um so but produ- produced by brendan o'brien who's like a huge yeah and he's producer. extremely talented yeah yeah um and like i think a lot of the other records that he's done sound better than this album this album doesn't sound bad and there's some really cool guitar tones on it i think but like if you compare it to like uh like the rage against the machine albums that he's done like i feel like there's a much more like big like aggressive sound on those than this album but mm. i'm sort of just rambling here about whatever comes to mind but i did actually like this album a lot um and like the guitar tone that you were talking about on black the sky is really cool when they do the goon part at 37 (laughs) seconds it's like that and i think that in a way like the fact that it's not overwhelmed with bass sort of makes that guitar tone sound like it gives it a clarity that like when it drops down to those low chords like it really sounds like really big um i think there's more fat in the mid-range and i think yeah, that makes people definitely identify yeah. like that's why they pick up on the guitar tone being so good you know yeah and i think people also understate how much the bass is affecting that he has a really mid-rangey bass tone i think yeah so yeah. He even talked about it in interviews, like how early in their career he had no bass. There was no low end. You know, it was all just, he wanted to hear himself. For a while, he would turn up, just keep turning up, and the guitarists would keep turning up. They were like one of the loudest bands in the country for a little while there. <laughs> so they are like, you know, skirted with these like monikers and like, or, or like these points of, that give them a little bit of fame. So like, they're known as popularizing or, or like normalizing the drop D tuning for like hard rock music, I guess. Jeff Ammett from, uh, I think that's his name, from Pearls. I've never been a huge Pearl Chan fan. Said, like, King's X invented grunge. They're not a grunge band, but, like, kind I of read that comment. laid the groundwork for it and stuff like that. I don't so, know if I really agree with that, but I don't know either, it's a sort know? of an interesting comment. It is. And uh, I feel like I, I hadn't, I hadn't heard, had that take before, like, thinking that there's not that much low end on it. But I definitely think that on their first four albums, you know, the ones I sent y'all links of, like, to that, to those albums, the older ones, I feel like there is nothing rumbling there, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't have time to listen to five albums this week, so... Right, I know. <laughs> um, Zach, what did you think of it? I liked it, and I... So I got a couple songs in. Actually, no, I got to the song Shoes, and I was like, I it's know like this chorus. Yeah, 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 I got... And so I texted my dad and asked him if he'd ever listened to this band, and he was like, yeah, I picked up any of Brendan O'Brien's albums he produced so he had this one and the faith hope love album oh yeah Yeah. so i guess i've heard this album a couple of times throughout the years with like my dad dropping me off to school what a cool dad Uh, yeah he i i he was really into that kind of that era of grunge and and that's what i i I would say like your dad is the picture of king sex fans like yeah 40 year old whites who like like yep. music, like guitar and stuff, and they're just like their musical world is a little smaller than a lot of other people's. I think. But uh, whatever. number one fan of this podcast, not so. that your dad's is, but you know, <laughs> like uh, watch what you say, Jamie. I just yeah. think, well, I'm trying. I'm insulting my own people here too because like I love <laughs> this band. This is me. Like I am a guitar, a bedroom guitar player too, and love the band. But I think like sometime in the in the teens, I started listening to a ton of other music and it really mm-hmm. gave me a perspective about how I yeah, music I mean, when I was younger, you know? I think he was like 24 when this album came out. So this was like right in his, you know, 
era for this yeah. kind of well they music. were all over mtv when this album yeah. came out and oh yeah they played the the woodstock 90 whatever yeah i saw that with like pearl oh, jam yeah. and typo negative and yeah. i think scorpions it was a that was uh that was the stuff that i grew up like my dad exposing me to so i got some real Soundgarden, uh pearl jam vibes when i first threw this on and I I wasn't sure if I liked it or not until I like finished the album. Like it it took me a while to like get through that there's like this initial uh what's the word? Like my my body was just like resist it. Like don't don't <laughs> succumb to this. But there's so much nostalgia for this type of music for me like as a kid and eventually I guess I worked through it and I I did actually like this a lot. There's some parts of the album that like the slower songs could not get into, but uh, yeah, it, it all together were pretty fun. And uh, I actually really like the bass tone. Like obviously like the first, yeah, the first time mm-hmm. it really like stood out was when it was basically the guitar dropped out and pretend. And you can just hear that like very heavy. The bass tone like, on this album is like what I want for like writing post-metal songs too yeah it definitely it's not a tone that works for a lot of music like Mm -hmm. even in this style like it's it's very you have to be very careful like making your bass do this because it like you have there's like a fine line of like does this sound good if you isolate the bass and does it sound good with the guitar you know um because there are some bands like protest the hero where if you ever isolate their bass tone it's garbage um but in context of the guitars, like it's one of my favorite bass tones. So, so he would. I don't know if he was doing it on this album, but for a lot of the career, he would buy amp into a guitar amp, guitar head. That'd be a lot of his high end. That makes sense. A, yeah, a bass amp for the low end. He'd turn off the guitar head or, or or switch away from it. You know, for certain parts of the songs. I don't know if he's doing that on this album. Or not. I was always much more interested in like what the guitarist was playing through. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah. Your turn. Yeah, so I actually liked this a lot too. Um, it took me like five days to like. Do you guys it. feel like you're just liking it because you know <laughs> I like it a lot, or do you like no. really think? Really no, think? I I actually had to think that too when I was like, <laughs> I like this because I because I know James likes it, but my initial instinct is to dislike it because you like <laughs> exactly. it just I to feel spite like that you. It's a lot of times what <laughs> happens with my friends. So Patrick, so I, where do you fall on this scale? I had to fight it. What do you mean? Like, I already said I like it. Do you want to? I know, but do you want to like it because you know James likes it, um, or does that make you want to not like it? Doesn't affect you. With this one, I came in. I feel like I had a fairly open mind about it. I sort of expected that I wouldn't love it. I'd probably like it more than I expected to. Yeah, that's like basically my whole take is that like yes, it grew on me a lot. Like I, I mean, I didn't hate it at first, but it was just kind of like oh okay. And then on like Wednesday of the after like listening to it for like five days, I started to like really like it. Um, <laughs> and I thought that the album was actually like more varied than I expected, just track to track. Yeah. Um, it was like a lot more varied than I was expecting. Um, I, w- I would say like tonally, this is one of their most homogenous sounding albums. So if you like want to hear a bunch of different stuff on their albums, keep yeah. going. Cause like their albums, a lot of their albums are different from each other and mm-hmm. there's a lot of different stuff on the albums themselves but anyway yeah. go ahead um and then yeah like the oh yeah i just thought that it like so it is heavy but 
something about it. Like it also sounds very like wholesome to me. And like, <laughs> yeah. we, yeah, I guess we're does. kind of like getting into that with like some of the like goofiness. It's like a little naivete yeah. to it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very inviting. Yeah. And like I, it just wonder, sounds like very like, well, and you listen to their, their first four albums are all like a lot more positive and uplifting too. It's love. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I wonder if that's, that's like coming from like a, they're like a Christian band background. Of right. Like, right. Maybe that's that's kind of seeped in a little bit. So I guess right. that starts to segue into like a lot of the background for the record. But go ahead, finish your thoughts, Hannah. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much it. I mean, I guess we'll talk about lyrics later. But I mean, I thought the lyrics pretty much were just like filler to me. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of agree with they're, you. Right. Be that way, yeah. <laughs> they're so, fine. I mean, I thought, like a, we're not listening to this for the lyrics, really. It's like on Dogman. It's like a bunch of non sequiturs in the verses. Yeah. And then like a semi like real chorus or something. But. Yeah, I mean, like, some of the choruses were good, you know, it's like, I'm singing along to them, because they're just catchy, but it's just like, well, it's just like a radio song. The hook of that song like, is when that riff like, comes great. in and breaks up the verses, it's like... It's so freaking heavy. It's, it's, it's like, that's one of the classic riffs, one of, like, mm-hmm. the best songs in there, or one of the most liked songs in their discography, yes. Which yeah. song? That Dogman. Dogman. Yeah. yeah. Dogman. That intro line of give me a dollar, give me 50 cents is yeah. stuck in my head perpetually. Yeah. There's, some weird, I, I, there's yeah. some weird quirks <laughs> about that song to me in that like, if if anybody but him sings, give me a dollar, give me 50 cents, let me take it back to that one man, they sound really stupid. But when he sings it, it sounds amazing. <laughs> also, yeah. the riff, like if, if some, if you just get, give some, tell somebody how to play the riff and you give them a guitar and they play it, it will not sound cool. Like he <laughs> yeah. somehow... Like, that's what I like about his guitar playing. And, and same with Dime. And, and there's, like, three guitar players that I actually, like, would say, like, are some of my favorite guitar players. I don't really, like, do the whole, like, idolize musicians or anything. But if, if I did, it would be, like, Ty Tabor from King's X, Dime from Pantera, and Nuno from uh, Extreme. Also a band that I discovered from that VH1 Top 100 <laughs> list. Uh, and things they have in common is, like, all three of those players have really insane vibrato. I don't know if y'all picked up on it while you're listening to the guitar parts, but, like... It's just, he's got a touch with the guitar that I identify with. He plays like dinner strings and you can almost hear it. Like it's spongier. It sounds like a little heavier when there's like a transient on the low notes. Like it sounds, it's like a sound I I go for or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's a thing about the way he plays. He likes to play a lot of high stuff. Like he'll drone on a G string note or a B string note. He doesn't do it as much on this album as he did on previous albums, but he still does it. And uh, he plays these chords, a lot of dyads, and like these uh, chords, like what he plays on Dogman, that first chord. And he just like vibrato's the chord, and it just sounds amazing the way he's playing it. And it's hard for somebody else to, to duplicate. And it's it's crazy. Like it's like the song "Walk" from Pantera. It's just like one one note being bent, but it's so hard for anybody to play it right to where it sounds cool. It's interesting. Like. Yeah, the guitarist's fingers are very important, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. cool. The Dogman had some of the cool, like, Beatles singing, too. Which I liked a lot. Like, I wasn't really expecting that on the first track. Like, I had heard you say that. And then when it starts playing, I'm like, this doesn't sound like the Beatles, what? Oh, well, they get <laughs> but to then, it. Like, they'll, they'll shoehorn yeah, it in, to too, which is one part, of my complaints. Like, oh, wow. I am fine with the, the vocal harmonies, and sometimes they are cool, but sometimes I feel like and not as much on this album, which is why it's one of my favorites, probably. They would just, like, throw in this huge, big soundscaping vocal three-part harmony. And it's like, did mm. it, nothing really happened through the course of that <laughs> in the song. Like, it didn't really go anywhere. 
never felt yeah. like a big payoff to me for some of their stuff. So, but it's something fans love. Like they absolutely love that aspect of the band, which is one of my complaints, I guess. So like I got that best of Queen's X. <laughs> I got that best they, of Queen's X CD. Does their fan base overlap with like Queen's fan base? Stuff like that. Yeah. Those bands. Yeah. Okay. Oh, King and Queen. The fan base. I didn't even think of that, but yeah. Like, <laughs> holds in super high regard those first four albums. And then everything Dogman and after is sort of polarizing, depends on what you like. And I remember when I got into them, I was on the younger side, right? So I go to a show, I'm like 20 years younger than everybody there. And they had just put out an album called Ogre Tones. And I thought the album was cool. I was like really listening to it and playing it a lot. And then I go to the show and they, they play like one song off of it. And it just came out that year. And that's what bugs me about the band is like their fans are, to me, like really want them to just keep playing Gretchen Goes Nebraska. And just keep making that album over and over, or just keep playing those songs all the time. That's what they love, what they want to hear when they go to shows. And I feel like that's part of the reason why it sort of hindered the band from like really taking that next step in popularity or anything, because they're trying to also please a fan base, you know? So, what I'm getting out of this is that you're the fan that their fans complain about. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) What's kind of funny is uh, I did picture you like warming up for baseball. Uh, <laughs> listening Probably. to this album. <laughs> I would listen to like heavier stuff. Like, I mean, I would listen to this too, but more Pantera and like Mashuga. Remember, everyone listens to Mashuga. Okay. They think yeah. it's like the heaviest thing on the planet. And um, mm-hmm. that's another like entry level band that everybody pats themselves on the back for liking. But whatever. Yeah, you got to get in your bullpen. So, James, what is your favorite bleed? track on this album? That's a tough one. I mean, I think like. I, I look at this album similar to the way I did the True Widow album. Like, there's a tier one tracks and tier two. Mm-hmm. What's in your tier one? Um, I mean, Dogman, Shoes, mm-hmm. Black the Sky, Don't Care, uh, Sunshine Rain, because it's just so it's kind of different human behavior. I same. really like Sunshine. Yeah, Rain. Sunshine Rain uh-huh. is one yeah. of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> maybe I don't know, but there like this album is not a ten out of ten for me. You know. Mm-hmm. like i have like a top five albums of all time it's not on it but it's still like one of my the most important bands in my life like mm-hmm. top five bands i love but uh the reasons why this there's some gripes i have with this album one is like that stupid thing they do on black this guy it's like an almost perfect song and they do the stupid huh, karate thing yeah I, I hate it i wish i could i wish i could pull it up in a in a in a daw and edit it out yeah you know mute the vocals part no that part is 10 out of 10 <laughs> It's just like you want to, you like that's why the, like little things like that are why that they don't quite catch on. I think to me in that era, you know. But whatever. And then I I think that would have like killed in that era, my dude. dude think about like Alice so. in no, Chains, Nirvana, like yeah, Nirvana, Super, like uh, Soundgarden. Kinda, they do that. They're gonna be like, dude, that's so nerdy. You know, it's like right. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and, and I feel like at that time, everyone was obsessed with Nirvana, and Nirvana brought this level of like. Be it, be it just perceived or real i don't know you, you can make up your own mind on that but like a level of just like sincerity in their mm-hmm. music that people really identified with and this doesn't really have that in so, that kind of karate chop i mean I at, at like the same time like though the like antithesis Nirv- of that nirvana was also goofy as fuck at the same time though <laughs> yeah but like yeah, that's after you become like, a fan and like learn about the band you know <laughs> i guess so to me but so, so I think that's the thing, like King's X, that band has, their, their target has always been to be like the next ACDC, the next Metallica, the next, uh, Beatles, Led Zeppelin, like rock band, a hard rock band, right? They want to be mm-hmm. just rock stars. And it's like, as the nineties and, and time goes on, it's like, that's not cool anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, that image isn't. And to me, I wish like 
I think that the, they have a sound that fits in the sludge type of music, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish that they would just lean into that heavier stuff. Yeah, it would have been yeah. cool to see an album that was just like... Lean into like the, the more weirder yeah. things. Just become an indie band. Sign with Sub Pop or something and embrace it. And be like a band that has this long shelf life. And like a a sort of like countercultural... Uh, yeah, there were like know. parts of the album that, yeah, I felt like we're more in that vein. Like, so I liked um, human behavior a lot. As usual, just what's on your mind. Um, like, I thought it was like a goofy song, but I liked it. And I wrote that I liked this spooky guitar part like a little bit over halfway through. I think it's just like a chorus pedal. So I don't know my pedals very well. That's actually a good pickup because that's been a key part of that guy's tone for all those years. Okay. He always would almost always have a chorus gotcha. effect on at all times in his rig. Yeah, but like the way it cool sounds again. in that, um, the way it sounds in that song, I I like a lot, and I do almost feel like if they lean more into that, it could be like what you were saying. You know, almost just more like indie sounding or something. On that song, the bassist is playing a twelve-string bass. Hmm. Wow. I don't know that I've ever seen one of those before. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. Is it like is it a split neck strings, or is it? Well, it looks like a normal bass. There's just three strings that you fret. Oh, okay, same yeah, time. Yeah. Sort of like a twelve string guitar. It looks like a normal they're just guitar, different but, gauges. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I think you know I'm saying like I wish they would have leaned into like the heavier side of their sound and stuff like that, but I don't think that's what they wanted. You know, their guitarist mm-hmm. loves the Beatles. Loves the mm-hmm. Beatles. Like you look at his image, the way he sings, it's all Beatles and. I don't know that there's any getting away from that, right? I don't know that they they want to be touring with the I hate gods of the world and stuff like that, right? Sure. But uh, I feel like they could have easily done that if they wanted to. And been interesting because they are such good singers, you know? But uh, what are what are some of y'all's favorite tracks? Um, so I like Dogman a lot. Um, Black the Sky, Sunshine mm-hmm. Rain, and Human Behavior. I feel like those are my favorite, but they were like, honestly like parts of pretty much every song that i liked mm-hmm. a lot um like flies in blue really skies w- i can take or leave most of the song but the guitar That's- solo towards the end three quarters yeah. of the way to the end is like amazing they start like yeah he starts putting in these major flourishes and it matches the lyrics in a way so it sounds hopeful and it's just like really cool writing to me that it starts to yeah. like turn into this major hopeful sounding section and the solo is amazing so another thing about the solos i learned is i was like i was like basically revisiting this band there's i think i've gone like a while without listening to him you know and yeah i started looking at videos and interviews and stuff there was an interview with ty Tabor who i, I sent something to hannah and it's like he's super humble yeah like, that was a cute video unassuming dude and they're all sort of like that they're super friendly i remember when i went to their first show that first show with them i you know i hadn't been to like underground shows at that time right like i didn't know my first show was a disturbed show you know, <laughs> and Corrosion of Conformity Brave, was opening for him. Brave to admit that. I got was there. opening for who? For Disturbed. I got for there. Disturbed. I got there late. Two years later, if you would have told me Corrosion of Conformity was opening for Disturbed, I would have gone to see Corrosion of Conformity and just left when Disturbed played, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't know at that time. Anyway, I go to King's X and it's at the Ridgely Theater in Fort Worth. And after the show, they're like, okay, we'll be in the back if y'all want to come talk and hang out. So like everybody just lines up and they go and meet the band, which up to that point, I hadn't seen a band that just like hung out with the crowd, you know? So I thought it like this yeah. cool, like down to earth stuff. And I remember going by and Doug Pinnock, this, the, the bassist, he's like, saw my Sepultura shirt. And he's like, dude, that's an awesome shirt. And I just thought like, <laughs> that was amazing, you know? Um, 
Flies in Blue Skies probably my least favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's I think it's nothing to do it's with the, the slow one. It's except it's for the, maybe the Jimi Hendrix cover at the end that's there oh, for no yeah, reason. That's another oh, gripe. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, so I have a bunch of major gripes about that album like that keep me in a tan. <laughs> That stupid cover at the end, like yeah. it doesn't need to be there. Get I rid know. of it. I know. Yeah, that song, I honestly only listen to it once or twice, and I would usually same. Just, like, yeah, I, I skip I, it I skip every it. time it comes I on. I'll, I skip it. Part of the album. Yeah, and it's so dumb that they put that on. I, it's not dumb. Whatever. It's if they like but, Jimi Hendrix, let them let them do it. But yeah. they paid a lot of money to license that song, and it's like Jeez. they didn't need to. You know. Um, yeah, it feels out of place compared to the rest of the album. Yeah, and I, I think the reason I disliked Flies and Blue Skies though is isn't the music; it's the lyrics. It's like. Between every line, it takes mm-hmm. so long, and I've like already guessed the next lyric. <laughs> with like, I, like I know, sure. yeah. I know what, what. Yeah, you can see right. that. Right, what rhymes with fight? <laughs> so <Yeah>. right, okay. <laughs> I think these are some of like the more raw lyrics in their discography up to this point, which I appreciate. Like, these are the raw lyrics. Yeah, it, it, all in oh, okay. all, to me, this band. Well, if you go to their solo records, it's like it's better. It's it's even more like. Personal. what do you wait what do you mean by raw like in their earlier records it's all like they're telling more stories to get their point across and it's mm-hmm. not really as personal but like leading up to this record they had a they had a producer named sam taylor who kind of guided know them what you mean by raw but okay i'm getting there okay uh <laughs> hopefully i won't forget after i go on this uh story but they had this producer sam taylor kind of brought some of the magic out of the band he was almost like the fourth band member really guided the sound that they had on those first four albums that everybody loved. They had a falling out with him before this album. And, you know, you had Out of the Silent Planet, Gretchen Goes to Nebraska, Faith, Hope, Love. They're self-titled. On their self-titled, they started to have, like, a darker, heavier sound. And to me, like, after seeing them live, it's like, this is a heavy band. They sound super heavy live. So when I listen to those other records, it sounds, like, a little unnatural. And then even from the interviews they talk about, it's like, they view the Dogman as, like, this is what we actually sound like, you know? But they were, like, sort of changing their sound on those other records like playing it straight or something maybe it's not that to that, that extent you know i i think they had this like breakup with sam taylor right it's 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 uh, ugly so like songs like fool you are about mm-hmm. that i think it's pretty obvious and then they're in this cr- weird limbo between like being a christian band and not being a christian band you know and their singer's gay so eventually in 98 he came out as gay and like all the christian bookstores and stopped stopped carrying their cds and stuff you know of course so he's talking about that like in black the sky that's pretty much that's what that mm-hmm. song is pretend yeah. those songs are about those things and like once you get to know the band you see like okay well he's kind of like opening up more on this record than maybe he did in the past i see and that's where i got the the raw thing from but i do think like another thing that holds king's x back from like being super popular they they, they never really had that like lyrical and like a uh, vocal hook that like was magic that made them like a, a star like the huge big sure super catchy song they never had it and they write some great songs and like i said yeah one of my favorite bands but what about the sing-along moment and don't care There are some, a few good sing-along moments, but uh, I think on this album, there's not really, like, one song that stands out as, like, oh, that one has, like, a really good, like, radio hook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To it, maybe you Complain. Know? I think maybe Complain. Complain so much easier. Complain so much easier. Complain. 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 Complain.
they didn't. Pick I also that think like, like uh, going back and listening to this, his voice is a little too Chad Kroger for me. I think that he's like it's he's like thirty years older than Chad Kroger. So I know Chad Kroger's and, too, and, too Doug Pinnock. It's one of those things that exactly you're right. It, it's one of those things where like who's this guy it, you're talking about? I don't know. Chad Kroger is a uh, Nickelback. Okay. So I think that so many bands have like tried to emulate this kind of sound. So that, that's it, like, the thing about this band. You guys brought it up at the it's beginning. It's like the uh, you said they're a it's musicians like the whole, band, right? Right. It's the whole like Seinfeld isn't funny phenomenon. Do you mm-hmm. where like every other sitcom has tried to be Seinfeld. So like if you try if you if you're watching Seinfeld for the first time, you're like this isn't new. Everyone else has done this before. Right. And it's like, well, at the time, like it was the first show to be about literally nothing. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So like you guys mentioned that they're, they're a musician's band or whatever. Uh, Zach mentioned it. I don't know if I really agree with that. I, I, that's the I thing think that, that people say is like, they're your favorite, they're your, your favorite musician's favorite band. That's what people say about them. And I'm like, maybe does like, that mean they're like influential. Right. I don't know. Um, I don't, so I, don't know. I, I sound I, really bitter and angry. It's all coming out, but, you know, <laughs> But you love this album. <laughs> and I it's love weird. this band, and I love this album. <laughs> this was yeah. your pick, James. It's just so... But, like, the tones are amazing. No negativity. It's so good. So, my, I think my favorite songs. Dogman, which, to go back to, like, really, really dumb jokes, the entire time I was thinking of the name of this album, it just reminded me of Spoonman by uh, <laughs> Soundgarden. Yeah, that, and that so album I was, came out same year. Yeah, and I was just... I was singing uh, Dogman, like, Dogman in the style of spoon man there you go uh in my head constantly so uh patrick just go ahead and edit that out <laughs> uh but yeah that pretend and black this guy probably i love my the, favorite songs and, and pretend when they go that it's really like a it's, cool moment that's that kind of reminded me of like some alice in chains mm-hmm. for a second like the the vocal style seemed very alice in chains to me mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought that pretend was like I said it sounded like radio rock to me. So I guess that's what we mean. <laughs> when I listened to it the first time, I remember Dogman came on. I was like, okay, I know the song, I love it. And then Shoes comes on, like blows me away. I'm like, golly, this is what I've been looking for with this band the whole time. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, those two songs were great. Like, what are they gonna do next? And then Pretend comes on, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm probably gonna love this album. And then every song was just like, when when Don't Care came on, and it's like the psh psh. It's like, oh, this is everything I want in music. Like, it's so freaking heavy. This is what I wanted them to be playing the whole time when I'm listening to their other songs, their other albums. Like, this is what uh, I imagined them sounding like. And to me, following, like, getting to know the band and stuff, you look at it in interviews and it sounds like that's what they felt too. Like, they feel strong, person- like, this is a personal record to them. They were so angry with, like, the, the Christian music scene. They're mad at their, yeah. their uh, former manager. They're a little frustrated that they never made it. They signed to Atlantic. They were supposed to be like the next big thing and it never really hit. And then, uh, I mean, this is on Atlantic too. They pushed this album a lot and then their next album and then I think they were done after that. They released a best of thing and that was it. That was their contract. And I think like it just seems more like real to me than their first four albums Mm -hmm. for the band. But that being said, like Gretchen still, I listen to Gretchen. I'm like, well, this is my favorite King's X album. And then I listen to this album. This is my favorite King's X album. So like, I say all that, and I still love that other stuff, too. So it's uh, hard to get away from. Well, going back to the drums, for when you, you doing the air drum sounds, uh, we, I think Patrick mentioned that the producer had done some Rage Against the Machine. And I actually, before I knew that, the drum sound reminded me of Rage Against the Machine, like, in the way it was recorded and, and also in the way that he just, like, 
hit the shit out of everything. Like he hits, he hits hard. You watch the live videos when playing. It's like, man, that guy's. I love the way he drums. Yeah, and that's that's exactly how I feel about Rage. Like the guy has no dynamics. He just hits as hard as possible. Like he's not like trying to like do ghost notes or anything. He's just he trying doesn't to really smack do any sh- flashy th- stuff. Like he plays yeah. it straight. He's like, I'm just gonna play loud and hard. I really like and the drum sound re- on this. I album. respect that. Yeah, it sounds good. Patrick, I'm curious what you're gonna say about that. I How's like that it. snare, Patrick? It's good. Brandon O'Brien does a good job. It's a little bit. Uh, it's easy to criticize music that's like the production of music that's like now fairly old. So I don't want to criticize it too heavily, but it's kind of a little bit like vanilla at times. You know, it could be like made more aggressive, perhaps. But it's it's sounds really good. Yeah. Are you saying from a playing standpoint or production standpoint? From like production, mm. but. I think it's become more popular in recent years to just like really distort everything, so to speak. Right. So like that drummer, you know, I said like they always have this swing or a groove to them. And I think he's a huge part of that. And I say he's one of my favorite drummers because Zach, you've been a victim of this being in a heavy band with me where I'm just like, just play the snare on the second downbeat and cymbals on quarter notes and let, let, let it be heavy. But even then, if you just do that, it's not necessarily like a groove that sounds heavy. He is perfect at what they call like playing behind the beat. It's mm-hmm. like this notion that he's sitting the snare like slightly behind when the beat is, and it makes it feel like it's more in the pocket than if he didn't. And you can have arguments about whether that's like a myth or something, but that's the feel that I get when I listen to the way he plays, and I really enjoy that. I wish for the band that he was maybe a little flashier, had like more memorable parts recorded to tape, like that kind of. If you think about Neil Peart, right? Everyone thinks he's great because he he put all those flashes on records and stuff, right? And it's like not that yeah. he, this drummer's capable of that. I've seen him live. He can he can do some nutty stuff, but like he plays very conservative to me. Yeah, there's not a lot of fills to be honest. I think I as I'm listening to the album now on my headphones, part of why I think the drums sound vanilla at times is because of the way the cymbals sound. They have that very bright '90s sound, mm. and I'm personally a fan of where production of cymbals has gone in the last time since then where like people want to hear more interesting cymbal sound more complex cymbal sounds darker cymbal sounds Hmm. like washier just like crazier sounds um and this it's not really there on this album so i think it sounds a touch dated to me in that regard what were your favorite songs patrick um pretty much all those same ones that everybody else mentioned um black disguise probably my favorite song and then one that hasn't been mentioned too much yet is for you yeah i like that one i i wrote that this one hannah i talked about this one kind of sounding like a jeff buckley song um wait i thought that sunshine rain sounded like the jeff buckley well i think they both do maybe but sunshine rain makes me feel I the beginning of fool you sounds like no jeff i think buckley. that the beginning of fool you sounds like hootie and the bluefish maybe it does uh, we said both now, things when we were I'm talking I'm listening about to it, it right now, and I can totally hear the hootie and the bluefish. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> Sunshine Rain. I like Sunshine Rain. Sunshine Rain sounds it's like my Jeff favorite Buckley single. To me. It, it sounds gospel to me, gospel influenced. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Well, I also wrote that Fool You sounded like a church song. I can't remember why oh, okay. I thought that now. but. And I think that song, speaking of church, like that's another reason I, I fell in love with a band is like I was a junior deacon at my church in high school. Like I was, I was like, serving communion and like really heavily involved and all that stuff, you know, and you get older and you just, you know, 
drift away or whatever. And it's like this band is sort of like wrestling with religion on across all of their records. And it's sort of something I identified with and, mm-hmm. and on human behavior. That's to me, that's what that song is about. Uh, them like just calling out yeah. the hypocrisy of people who are in those circles and things like that. And I love where he says everybody mission. <laughs> it's just cool to me. Uh, Seem like there are a lot of biblical references and yeah. sunshine rain. Yep. I also thought that song sounds like they do a good job of that song of making it sound like petrichor or whatever the when it's like just rained and the sun comes out and there's like that smell i feel like that song sort of gets there in terms of the making me picture that so least favorite songs for me i wish go to hell was not on the album that's and, just that really a short one yeah i wish they would yeah. just not have put that and take left the cover off and it would be and if they take out the vocals on black the sky it's like a 10 out of 10 album for me i you know i didn't mind go to hell i thought it was I, I thought didn't it was mind all right. it either. It's only yeah, a it was just long. A, yeah, it was just a fun little like yeah. kind of punk. It just feels like they're just kind of taking the piss out of themselves a little bit. Like they're acting like it's not a real song, and you just kind of feel like, well, it is a real song. Just play it. You know, I don't know. I mean, it just I like sounds it. like I mean, I, I like the song. I don't like skip it when it comes up. But James, I have a question. Mm-hmm. What album is "It's Love" on? Faith, Hope, Love. Okay. I really like that song. <laughs> I know. I, I told you that earlier. So yeah, well, just that's quiz him on. That's one songs. of my favorite King's X songs because it's like yeah, that song is so good. They have all the high flying vocals. Yeah, he, he's got like the off off kilter like syncopated riffs and during the chorus, mm-hmm. and then he's got heavier palm muted parts, an amazing guitar solo. They mm-hmm. do uh, three part harmonies that don't go anywhere. The ah, yeah, and then <laughs> um, that is one of my favorite King's X records. It's just long. It's a really long record. Okay. Yeah. The song Faith, Hope, Love of is one of my favorites because it's like one of my favorite King's X songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like inter- uh, not, it's one of my favorites because like it's just one of their heaviest songs to me. And y'all know how like I always say like if a song's heavy, it usually means I, I like it. This band is like, I think that this band is super, super heavy with the way they play. Like it's just a heavy sound. I don't know if that comes mm-hmm. across to other people. I, to me, there's a difference between a band being heavy and a band being aggressive. I don't think I was like just about to say when you said that band. earlier, yeah. I, that resonated with me. Like yeah. I do agree with you that they're heavy but not aggressive, mm-hmm. and like yep. what I said, like they're wholesome. Right, they're fa- they're family friendly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so another thing, you know, I, and I mean, maybe that's just the Christian thing, but I, I mean, I guess that's probably mostly where it's coming from. But it's something about the sound too, though, not mm-hmm. just like the lyrics. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they have any curses in there. Songs. yeah king's, king's x is do, like but, yeah, i don't know about ooh. this it's like when you you tell your grandma you're really into grunge and she goes to walmart and picks up the the only one that's not censored there you go <laughs> yeah so i don't know <laughs> if y'all i sent y'all some of those links with. you know one of those links was like to a speech that J- doug did in the middle of a set and i don't know if y'all listen to it but he talks about him cursing. No, he curses in that you know no. he's like Uh-oh. so part of his upbringing is like his mom wasn't around his dad left him and he grew up with his grandmother. She raised him. His grandmother's like super hardcore Christian. That's why she kicked his mother out of the house, raised him herself. Oh, wow. But in that speech, he's talking about how like she called herself a Christian and she never said I love you to him like his whole life, mm. you know, and it's like, jeez. and then he like goes on this part about like, if you y'all out there, if you have kids or whatever, you make sure that they know that you love them or whatever. Because, you know, if you don't, when they grow up, they're going to grow up fucked up is what he said, like. <laughs> and uh wow i, I remember listening wow. to like this band's like super clean cut on all their songs and then this this live yeah. track comes up on this best of thing it's like th- like i wish that personality and that that sort of mm-hmm. like raw part of them would come through in their songs you know 
yeah. But I think they're trying. Yeah. They're trying to appeal to to the masses. They're they're on this track to be like the world's biggest band, and and they're making these choices, or maybe these choices are being made for them to not be able to do that. And it's sort of frustrating to me as a fan that they didn't lean into that stuff more. And that's probably why I like Dogman so much, is because it's one of the albums where they do. It sounds like they should have brought you on as manager. Yeah, man. <laughs> Manager, I don't know. producer. I mean, I think I mean, I, <laughs> they would have said, get CEO. out of here, bro. I will say, mm-hmm. uh, as heretical as it sounds, staying in the Christian music scene is where the money is. See, but they would say like, as- <laughs> so, so So when they they moved to Texas and like they got their break in Texas, they moved to Houston to work with this uh, shooting star records or something. It's like some famous Christian label from back in the day. They had, they, it's like what Petra was signed to, the band Petra. Yeah. And uh, they were the backing band for a Christian singer or whatever. And they would go to these shows. They would go do these things. They, there was a story Ty was doing in an interview talking about how they went to like uh, the National Heritage Foundation or something like that, the conservative group. And he said the whole time yeah. they were there, he's like, uh, if we ever do something like this again, I quit. Like, I, I hate everything about this, you know? And uh, they did not like the Christian music scene. They thought it was like worse than the secular scene. Some of the, two of the band members met, uh, they, being the backing band for Phil Kagi. So like the Christian music scene has always been a part of this band's uh, yeah. deal. Phil you know? right? Someone fill me in on Phil Kagi. I only know He's him just as like, like the a like guitar player. Guitar virtuoso. virtuoso. But why is he associated yeah. with the Christian scene? He just plays churches, like an I guess. Instrumentalist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of his songs are just instrumental. He, plays so in, it's he like has a famous friendly. Amazing Grace, doesn't he? he plays Amazing uh, Grace. People really know. like that song. Probably. He has an instrumental version of it. Yeah. Yeah. So James, the so it's always been the same three members. Is that correct? Yeah. There's been no. They've been a band for changes. forty years. Yeah, that's pretty Jesus. impressive. Wow. So I kind of fell off the wagon because they haven't really released anything new lately. You know, going to tours, they'd always just play like all their fans want them to just play Gretchen goes to Nebraska front to back. They don't play any songs. Black the Sky rarely gets played. I don't think I've ever seen them play it live. Dang. And it's like an amazing song, right? There's all these amazing songs on this record that they don't play too much, and it's Black the Sky is number two on Spotify. Dogman's number one. It should be. Nice. Yeah. That's the way it should be. But their fans don't necessarily, their hardcore fans don't necessarily agree with that. As indicated by them voting, make, doing the vote for that best of CD that I got, you know? Yeah, but the Spotify fans is all that matters. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, it, so uh, this album was recorded in Atlanta, Georgia, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. So to, to bring it into the podcast, um, it's a Houston band in Atlanta, so half of us have lived in Houston and half of us have lived in Atlanta at one point. So that's right. We're the next King's X as a podcast. That, that's right. That's we're gonna be like the, 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 we should have been the biggest podcast in the world, but we never hit. That, exactly. <laughs> Atlantic Records uh, won't promote us. Patrick, can you describe the? Album? Oh yeah, the album art is a dog's face looking up. What type of dog? I'm not really sure, to be honest. It's like a photo negative, like a black and white photo that's been turned to the negative. And on Spotify, it's red. I've seen it in various different colors, but it's like a halftone version of that image. And then it says King's X up in the top, Dogman below it. Very 90s looking. Yeah, I honestly don't love it. I think it's kind of low effort. Um, Yeah, this one's low effort, but I I I... I, I like it more than like any of their other ones. I think it's their it's best like album. Art. Their other like... album art is not good. 
Well, yeah. It's like, definitely, like, of the time, though. All of their yeah. album art is really bad. So this I one was so. almost, like, the, <laughs> you know, like, the least egregious one. Right. One other random stray thought about King's X is when I was checking out some of their other songs, I was like, right, let me go find whatever the most recent album they put out is. And I guess it's 2008's XV. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be their 15th album or 15th, yeah. like, major release or whatever. And there's one song on there that sounds like an emo revival song. I haven't listened to the whole album, but the one <laughs> random song that I picked, I was like, dude, this is like a freaking emo revival dude, he song. he can write some Re- twinkly Repeating parts. myself. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. just yeah. repeating myself. Yeah, that one. It sounds like I a like that band. stuff, man. I like that record. It's got That's some a good, good things song. on it. There's a song called Pray For Me. He's playing the 12-string bass on that. It's cool. It's catchy. There's one called Go Tell Somebody, which is good. It's, it's, it's a strong record. Hannah, what are we going to listen to next week? Uh, so next week, we're going to listen to the album Gray Area by Little Sims. Ooh, I like this one. Never heard of it. So I'm stoked. So you haven't heard of it, Zach? No. I know Patrick knows it. James, I know you know this artist, but have you listened to this album? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the one with Venom on it. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's a good song. Love that song. Sweet. It's a good album. Oh, spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> I'm excited. Not a lot to say. It. <laughs> All right, uh, that's it for the uh, Club Club podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. If you've got any emails, you can send it to clubclub at hardaudiocables.com. Follow Patrick and Hannah at I Wish I Could Skateboard on Instagram. Follow the podcast and the business at Heart Audio Cables on Instagram. You can follow me. I'm, I'm Zach at the Cookie Monster 258 on Instagram as well. Um, Hannah has nothing to do with my Instagram so far. Next week, we're going to be listening to Gray Area by Little Sims. I'm excited. Never heard about it. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, have a good week.